Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week is the amazing Imelda Staunton. She's a brilliant actor, singer. Well, there's nothing that this woman can't do. And she's won so many awards, I think she could make a crown out of them. And that might come in useful for her next role. Here she is, Imelda. Imelda, hello. Hello and very good afternoon. Oh, that's very posh. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Very nice to be here. It's a nice thing to have a little natter. Yeah, it is. It's it's actually, it's it's been a saving grace for me because this all came together just as we went into lockdown and it was like, I was a bit nervous because I'd never done anything like this before, but it's been so much fun because I've got to see loads of mates, yes. met a few people that I, I'm a fan of that I don't know, which is quite fun. It's been really, really interesting. Anyway, more importantly, have you got a cup of tea? I've got an Earl Grey without milk. Oh, I've yeah. got, I've got actually, um, you know, the South African tea. Is it Rubos? Rubos. Oh, I love that as well. Nice, no, isn't I, it? I have that as well. I mm-hmm. have that, but sometimes I just think, oh, I just fancy an Earl Grey, so that gets. Yeah. I've got. Well, I in the morning I always have a builders with milk and honey. Do you? Mm. No, I have hot water and lemon. Oh, you are good. Yeah, yeah. That's very healthy. You don't have anything in it, just lemon and hot water? A bit of lemon juice and yeah, yeah. It's probably yeah. very cleansing. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Mm. But but then, you know, then I, later on I go on for the coffee and stuff, but that comes oh, much later. <laughs> get the hit. Much later in the day. Yeah, yeah, the hit, the hit. Well, yeah. the last time we saw each other was at lovely Dominic and Alexi. Yes. Uh, we, we actually went for a lunch to some mutual friends Dominic Cook the director and Alexi Campbell the wonderful writer and they had a wasn't it gorgeous in their back garden with the most amazing view in the country and we had a socially distanced lunch in the summer it was nice wasn't it gorgeous so how have you coped during all this, you know, lockdown? And have you done any work at all, or, or is it? I have sort of weirdly, very early on. Um, Nick Heitner, who runs the Bridge Theatre in, mm-hmm. in London, and and the BBC, I think, sort of phoned him up and said, "Right, oh, we need something. We need something." And what about you? Have a relationship, you know, with a working relationship with Alan Bennett, and we'd love to redo the Talking Heads. And right. so uh, he approached twelve of us, and we all rather terrifyingly said, "Oh yes, okay," <laughs> and um, started learning it. So that was sort of in um, in April. Uh, started learning my little half-hour monologue and then we did it um I think I did mine on the 6th of May out at Elstree on the EastEnders set we all had little rooms and we all had a day each to do our monologue and it was I've never ever been so frightened I say so, um, was that a half and I I mean I watched it you were brilliant because it went out when did it go out I'm trying to remember it went out in the summer June. didn't it yeah, June. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. They were all really good. But I mean, did you have to learn that whole mon- monologue? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. And although each section, so the monologue's half an hour, but it's made up of, of about you know, all these little six minute, five minute, six minute sections. Oh, okay. And that's all, that's all on one take. And that's still two pages of rabbit mm-hmm. <laughs> with no one else helping you. So, um, 
And I, you know, you just feel the responsibility of, you know, everyone in that studio. Again, it was very early on, so everyone was all spread all over the studio. Just you and a camera, and a camera just getting closer and closer and closer. Like mastermind. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've started, so I hopefully I'll finish. Is what I, yeah. But they were wonderful because they're such wonderful pieces, aren't they? They're so, yeah. I mean, they're funny, but they're heartbreaking. Yeah, and they're dark as well, you know. But uh, so we did that. But then I'm now doing them on stage. We are now doing them on stage at the Bridge Theatre. Oh, what, what, with an audience? Yeah. So how do they do the that? Bri- well, they took out 650 seats. <gasps> they left 250 seats, and people are coming. And, That's uh, wonderful. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, all different times, like a two o'clock, a five o'clock, and an eight o'clock. We've been doing them now for uh, five weeks, um, and people are coming. And it's everyone in the audience. That all the, obviously all the socially distanced in the theatre. Everyone's wearing their mask. Mm. But when the minute the lights go down, we're all having a very familiar experience of yeah. just watching something. And God love them all. They're all coming. And, you know, I think, well, you've had to come on the tube and you've had to yeah. make your way here. And they're doing it. And, um, and, and I feel that that's, you know, it's been wonderful to be able to be part of something that is encouraging people to, to go out mm-hmm. and do something that is a bit vaguely normal to them. But then also, hopefully, in two weeks' time, I'm going to do it up in Sheffield and in Leeds. How fantastic. So even with these new kind of lockdown-y things, they're still allowing, yeah, the tears. You can still do that, can you? That's brilliant. But isn't it lovely, as you said, that there are people out there coming and supporting? Because I think people are, well, number one, are so desperate, you know, to have a bit of normality and and and, yeah. and you know and theatre has really really been hit hasn't it really hit I mean I think you know there's some filming and television is happening um but with all the measures in place but theatre's really suffering and you know the new theatres like the bridge or say or relatively new the national theatre you know they've got room it's those small theatres on say Shaftesbury Avenue or or, or along the Strand, with these tiny foyers and these, the auditorium's got seats squished up next to each other. I don't know how they're going to manage. But the thing is, I also feel very positive, and I think, right, okay, change is going to have to happen, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. And let's go back with your thinking completely outside the box, and even chucking the box out and going, right, there's no box to think outside. Let's think of a different way to do this. Mm. And I just hope that people are feeling that sort of invigorated by this opportunity. Well, what you're doing, as you say, proves it can be done in in the right space. But that's brilliant. So do you go on every every day or or do you alternate with the other ones? We alternate. Like, for example, I could do a two o'clock show on one day and that's it. And then another couple come in and do a five o'clock and an eight o'clock. And the next day, I'll do a five and eight, and they will have done the two o'clock. So every day is different. Are you enjoying it? Well, I, I'm only just thinking now. I've been doing it for four weeks, thinking, oh, I think I've nearly got how to do this now. <laughs> so um, it's familiar. It's exactly the same and totally different. That's what's odd. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't, I haven't done as, half as much theatre as you, but that's true. Once you get 
beyond that well beyond the fit for me you know opening and all that <laughs> so scary and you think yeah. what am I doing here and then you kind of you're still kind of practicing and then there is a time isn't there you know where you suddenly think oh I got I see I got this bit oh yeah yeah and then there are nights you fly and then other nights that you think well, well I did the same but it's, it was different it didn't work it's weird absolutely but I think with this, um, I've sort of felt, no matter how frightened I sort of might have been, because I don't really get that nervous, but this, you think, well, I've never done a one-person monologue ever. Um, but then you go, right, there's so many more people having such a terrible time than me. Little actress, oh, I can't be a bit frightened about <laughs> Get up there and just bloody well do it. That's so. I think right. That's why I'm. That's why I'm doing it. You just get up and do it, and and the, don't don't witter on about yourself. <laughs> now I did. I didn't know. I mean, maybe we talked about it. But you, your mum was a she. She was a hairdresser, but she was a singer. Well, she played fiddle, Irish. She played, played fiddle. fiddle. How brilliant! Fiddle and accordion, and she 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 could absolutely she sang as well. But her big thing was fiddle. She loved the fiddle, playing How the fiddle. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. she still with us? Or no, she Aww. isn't. She buggered Sorry. off in yeah two thousand and four, oh, and that was horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. Um, and she was a great, uh, great force, and. She adored because we have a daughter uh, called Bessie and Mum and Bess, who's Bessie a wonderful was, actress. I have to say, I've been watching. Yes, she her. is, she is, and she Good. and she and my mum, uh, Bridie, they adored each other. Oh. So, um, so it was, um, it was sort of such a shame. But anyway, so Mum was a great fiddle player and an accordion. So that's where I got all my sort of. I don't know, my, my well, I think all my talent, actually. <laughs> from, from, <laughs> and your music, I mean, because, you know, you've got an amazing voice and so that must have come from your mum, because was your dad was your dad musical or? No, not at all. He couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Oh, that's, that's your mum then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she was a hairdresser by trade, right? Yeah. And also, of course, you know, she, you know, she was in her, tw- she was twenty one or 22 when she had me and you know so that was in the 50s and she was also a manageress of that hairdressers and by the time I was sort of sort of seven or eight she, she that was her business and I think blimey in those days she had her own business mm. um I was I was taken off to Maisie the, the child minder and um you know I thought oh gosh in those days because we're all going on you know in the last sort of 15 years about you know should women be working and should there be child minders and can you have a career and yeah. children and all that and I thought gosh no my mum d- did, did all it. that and to have her own business that was quite unique in those days wasn't it Certainly was, yeah. And it was yeah. a, that classic, you know, the hairdressers that had, it was all shampoo and sets and perms, shampoo and set. Because I, I used to have a Saturday job when I was at school because my sister was a hairdresser. And so I used to go in on a Saturday and I can always remember that smell of the perm lotion and all those little oh, ladies. Yes, with those. the papers and the papers, the perm papers. That you put in. Yeah, and I had to wash hair and sweep up. I loved it, actually. It was brilliant. But um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's So we lived above the shop. Oh, so, did you? Oh, she, yeah. did, you didn't, she didn't have to go far then. 
<laughs> got too far. So did she encourage you to perform? I mean, did you start as a kid? No, I mean, just, you know, at school, doing the school plays. But then okay. I had a, uh, you know, in those days, I was at a convent and we had a, an elocution teacher oh. who I still know, Jackie Stoker. And oh. um, she did drama after school and said she suggested that I come and do that. And I used to do music festivals, which were also speech drama festivals and get you know we do those every year and you do your bit of your poem and your monologue and you do that <laughs> and you'd get a first or a distinction or a whatever so I did that I suppose from the age of about 14 just did the festivals um and school plays and then she just was absolutely adamant Mrs Stoker well you have to audition for drama school and that is that's all there is to it Oh, okay. So she was the one that gave you the yeah. impetus to do it would you say she was yours Without doubt, yes, absolutely. Because had you kind of thought of when you were a teenager, bit you know, following your mum and being a hairdresser, was that an option? Or? No, not at all. Wasn't interested at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, but I have been doing haircuts during lockdown. I have to say, I did. I cut the dog's hair and then Jim in that order. Yeah, I've been cutting Lee's hair actually. I'm quite good. I didn't know I could cut hair, but he's, it was getting so long. And he said, oh, God, I don't care if it goes wrong. Just do it. And it's quite nice. Oh, there you I go. Haven't... Well done. Oh, look, we've got something to fall back on now to again. Yeah. It all goes... We, we could open the hairdressers. <gasps> oh, I stay. Melda and Twigs. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not doing yes. perms, okay. though. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing perms. Not no. that smell. <laughs> So you 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 got into RADA, didn't you? I did. And actually, the story there is I auditioned for three drama schools. And uh, so for Guildhall, for Central and RADA. And at the Guildhall, within three days, no thank you. Central, no thank you. Oh, oh no. And so I thought, well, I didn't get into the... Well, there's... Oh, well, I'll ne- I just I won't get into. Oh, that's it. That's that. That's that. I don't know what to do. And I was in bed one morning, and uh, my mum, you know, came in. She said, Melda, 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 there's a letter here now from 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 the Royal Academy." I said, "Oh God!" So she's like, "Shall I read it?" And she said, "Dear Melda, I am delighted to." T-. And I went, "Don't do that." She said, "What?" I said, "Don't don't pretend that I've got in. Don't do that." She said, oh. "I'm not." You've got you got in there. So that was so exciting because well, I do not know what would have happened if I hadn't got in. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so the, that was the only one who... Well, Leo always said when he got his letter, he said he walked on air for about a week because he, he just couldn't believe, you know, because, you know, he was from a, a, a council estate up in Warwickshire and people up there didn't go to drama school. It was only no. his drama, he went to an evening drama class and his teacher said you should try for RADA. So. Oh, God. Because, it's, well, it's... you know, in, in those days, I think today, you know, there's so many um, drama classes that all kids can go to, which is great. But, in you know, well, Lee's older than you, but when he grew up, that didn't exist. So it wasn't an option, really. Not at all, not at all. But I also, I think I tried to get into the National Youth Theatre before that, and they said no as well. So, but then that sort of makes you think, well, you know, just do keep trying. (laughs) Also, it proves, well, certainly in your case, that even though you do get some rejections, you've got to keep going because, I mean, look at your, your career. I mean, I knew when I read your bio, 
last week when I knew most of the things you'd done, but I didn't know everything. And your your biography is unbelievable. You've done so much in telly, in film. Do you have a favourite of all those? I mean, if, if you could only do one, what would you do? What Which medium would I prefer to work in? Yeah. Uh, well, I think now it might have to be film. Because I like, uh, I mean, I, I, I do like theatre, but I, I think I love the, the attention to the, 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 the two-minute take in a film, the, how it's all about everyone in that room. And as you know, if you're filming in a mm. room, people, it's just, you know, you, you and someone else, and there's 30 people in the room. And I love the concentration of those 30 people are all making that moment happen. And um, when you're on stage, you know, no one is aware of the people who made the costumes, made the set. and that. So actually, I quite like being with all those people who are making this moment happen. And I like the focus of, you know, and action. And then all it is about is the truth of that moment. Now, if you're on stage with 12 other people, you're, you're making and having a great time. Like when I did, I suppose I did Gypsy and that was just, you know, oh, wonderful God, time with were. all... But you were amazing in that. Was that well, was that fun or really hard work? It was both. It was both and terribly rewarding and, and great. But you know, you're there with all those people making that happen every night. And um, but the stillness of a take on film, I really, really cherish. Yeah, yeah. Because I would have guessed you'd have said theatre because well, you're, you've done so many amazing things. I mean, we saw you last, I think, in Follies, and I cried. My- <laughs> Cried my eyes out. You you killed it, honey. You killed oh, it. Oh, gosh. What a production. Because you know what? I saw the original production of that on Broadway in 19... Gosh, I would think it was about 1970, 71. Oh, my goodness. I saw the original. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I'm trying to think. Alexis, Alexis, Alexis Smith, yeah. Smith was so in it. So why did you go then? Were you, were you in... I must have been in New York... I, I don't know. I'm, I I could have been well if it I, I, if it was the late sixties. I could have been modeling there. And but so, if it, it was early seventies, it was seventies. Yeah. So I, maybe I was promoting the boyfriend or mm-hmm. or just visiting. I don't know. I mean, I always think of New York as my second home anyway because they've right. always been so lovely to me. But I do remember it vivid. You know, there are certain productions that stay in your mind forever, and that was one of them. Because oh, it so, it's such an extraordinary piece. And I always remember that song because it just blew me sideways. And actually, when I came back to the UK, I, was do- I did a little uh, kind of TV series. Do you remember in the 70s, Scylla had a show and Lulu had yep. a show and I did one. And you had guests on and you sang and died. It was lovely, actually. I really enjoyed it. And I chose to do that song and nobody in England kind of knew it. And I just, I've got to do this song. I've got to do this song. It's so brilliant. It's, it's just great song yeah but well it's, done that was such a great production but he, you know but Sondheim was so, so, so ahead of his time with that show because mm. you did Sweeney Todd as well right yeah that yeah. that part must be so much <laughs> <laughs> we saw that as well I oh. think I might be your groupie Imelda Do you know I think you might be my my biggest fan. I think so I might I, be yeah might be getting into misery do I territory. get a badge saying Imelda Stoughton's biggest I, I can, fan I can I've got loads of them here. I can <laughs> one. <laughs> but that 
that part, how do you get through it without getting hysterical? I mean, it, there are moments in it that are so funny, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with all that stuff, you know, with all <laughs> sometimes stuff, you know, my I, th- I have to learn it sort of a year in advance because I just have to have it at, at my fingertips. You can't be struggling for those lyrics, no. um, complicated lyrics and all that stuff. So uh, they they were great challenges, and, and that's what you know we all like. And you doing this podcast, you say, "Well, I've never done anything like that." But you know, you go, "Oh, I'm a bit frightened." You go, "Frightened," you know, talking yeah. heads, frightened. But actually, that gives. No, it's true, actually. And again, all in my career, all the not that I've done half as much as you've done, but everything I've been like when I did the boyfriend, I'd never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it, I thought, well, I'm not gonna, I'm nobody's gonna kill me. That I might, they yeah. might kill me with reviews, but they're not gonna kill me. It's not life threatening. Yeah. No. And what but, an adventure, and what a, what a wonderful opportunity, you yeah. know, and to I think, have a go you know, at something. And because the boyfriend was hugely successful, I think you going into it with that attitude, going, well, look, you know, it's not like, oh, this is my moment, this is my thing, it's just, look, no. I'm either going to be this or that. And- well, also, I didn't plan to do any of that. Like, I, Well, I didn't plan to be a model either, but um, so for me, everything was, oh, well, you know, it wasn't like I've got this ambition, I want to do that and I want to get there. Mm-hmm. It was like everything was new and it was, oh, well, if they, you know, and also if you've got people who think you can do it and who have trust in you, it gives you courage Com- and, and yes. confidence. Do, do you feel that? I, I absolutely do. Especially if you respect what they do, you know, respect them as artists. Yes, absolutely. And in a way, it's funny you say you, you didn't set out to be a model, you didn't set out to do that. And of course, although I wanted to all I wanted to be was a good actress. So, um, you know, because, you know, I didn't come from a theatrical family, you know, like Lee, I didn't know that Rada was, you know, the, you know, it was that, had that sort of status. And also, of course, I left Rada in 1976 and there was not even, I mean, there was no other opportunity but repertory theatre. And for those listening, repertory theatre is just the theatres all over England. You didn't work in London because you didn't have the full equity card, which is union card that you needed. So I, I went off for six years very happily in rep. Now, at no time ever did I go, right, I'm just doing this until I can get this and do this. But I would just go, this is fantastic fantastic 36 pounds a week marvelous and I just you know and I just wanted to work and also don't you think it's amazing training Mm -hmm. it is it is he did the same I mean he again he's a he's older than you but it's that and that doesn't exist anymore the rep theatres and I mean there's a few but 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 then I I I don't I never want to be one of those people saying well of course those are the days when you can get this (laughs) that and the other because actually they're just getting different experiences now you know and I look at young actors and I think young actors who this is their second job and I look at their talent and their confidence and their ability and I think I wouldn't have stood a chance because I needed, I think I would, I needed all that time to try and get better because I think there are the young actors today, because of their access to the internet and watching stuff and watching so much different television and the, the writing is so good at the moment and all that, that I think they they soak it up like a sponge, you know, and we just had, you know, we were doing pot boiler plays. There was nothing new 
you know, the Royal Court was doing new writing. I don't think I did a new play for six years. It was all old stuff. So it's just different now. And uh, and I'm grateful that I managed to keep going for those six years and um, and that it did give me what I needed. And what 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 the what was the thing that broke you out of doing rep? Did you get offered a telly or I a, I got well I West did End? my final show in in rep. I played PF um, at Nottingham. And um, and I've got mutual friends who were friends of Richard Eyre, who was going to start a company at the National Theatre. But at the same time, I also got an, an audition. I had two auditions from in London. I thought, oh, my goodness. And one was to take over, and I've told her this story, one was to take over from Elaine Page in Cats in 1981, And the other was to audition for Richard Eyre's company to do Guys and Dolls at the National Theatre. So I auditioned for Cats. I thought, oh, my goodness me. So I saw the show and I thought, oh. And so I was 25 and um, for Grisabella, of course, should be a lot older. older. Anyway, so I went and auditioned for Trevor Nunn. And so I was on the stage going, midnight, not as I want to play. I'm trying to do all this. So I did that. And then he said, you must go and audition for Andrew. And I thought, I don't know who Andrew, who's Andrew? Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, yes, yes, right, okay. So I went and auditioned for Andrew and then I auditioned for Richard Eyre. So I got one job and I didn't get the other job. And of course that changed the course of my life, not just my work, because I got Guys and Dolls and to be in Richard Eyre's company for a year and then met the gorgeous Jim Carter. Oh, is that uh, what you met him? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And he was the biggest person in the company, and I was absolutely the smallest. Yes. But you're so, so cute together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so that was so, – oh What was that, 82? 82, yeah, because I was in I, – I didn't see that, unfortunately, because I was in, in New York. New York, yeah. That's yeah. why I missed that one, because, as you know, I'm your biggest fan and I see oh, everything cool. you do. Oh God! Right. So, well, as you know, I couldn't see you in '82 because I was busy trying to get a husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> oh golly, yeah. So, guys and dolls ran for what a year? Oh yeah, that. So that whole company, of course, that was the glorious Julia McKenzie, Bob Hoskins, Julie Covington, and the glorious Ian Charlson. Oh. So, and and it's interesting because there, I you know, I'd done my six years of playing all these you know, leading roles in rep, not very well at all, but gaining huge experience. Um, But then I sat in that rehearsal room watching those people. I thought, I haven't even started. How do I get to that level? Uh, So that was a great... They were probably thinking that about you. I don't think so for a second. (laughs) Don't be ridiculous. Um, But anyway, so I was there in that company for a year and learnt, learnt a lot. Uh, so that was it, and then so then I was working in London. So it was it was wonderful. amazing. Mm. I have to bring up so that it doesn't get missed out. But your performance in Vera Drake mm. is still one of it's number one. One of my favourite films. It's such a, oh, it's such a moving film. And you are well, you you're heartbreaking. You broke you broke the world's heart in that film. Well, it's a heartbreaking story. I mean, it's. You know, it's a story that unfortunately is still going on. And for people who don't know it, I mean, Vera Drake was it was a Mike Lee film, and Mike Lee, we don't. There are no scripts, and that's the first time I'd worked with him. Um, no so, scripts at all. No, no, no. Oh. 
Oh. No. So you, you rehearse and improvise and whatever for six months and then wow. we filmed it for three months. And by then you are so, you've got the character. It's, it's the, I mean, that, if someone said, what's been the best job of your life, that will always be it. There'll be nothing that can top that ever. Wow. Uh, so. Um, and did it just come out of, did you know Mike or did it just come out of the blue? I'd, and- I'd met him. Uh, once, I think, before, quite a few years ago, he asked to meet people over yeah. years, and I'd met him. Anyway, this came, this time round, my agent said, oh, Mike Lee wants to see you. And I said, well, he saw me a few years ago. Uh, well, what? There's nothing to talk about. I mean, you know, we just talk about your life. You go, oh, nothing to talk about. No, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to meet him. She said, she, so about four days later, she said, oh, no, I think he, I, I really think he'd like to meet. I said, absolutely, it's no point, because uh, I, I, you know, I, no. no. Right, said no. Anyway, then she phoned and said, look, he would like you to go in and do a little bit of work. I said, oh, I'm on it. Yep, I'll do what that's more like. I'll do some work. So I went in and um, we just had a very quick chat. And then he just sort of said, well, I'm just going to ask you to do whatever he does. And so we just did that. And he just said, right, I'd like to work with you. And would you, would you fancy working on a film, and about um, an abortionist. So you didn't know up until that moment that what it was about? No, no. And wow. no, one else, no one else was ever told while wow. for the six months. So I was the only person who knew, and that's how he works. Everyone is just in their own character's life. Wow. Including all the actors who played my family, they didn't know anything. The actors, not not the cat. The actors had no idea. So that big, that moment in the film where the police arrive yeah. and that n- none of the actors knew. All the family were sitting there. They had no idea why I was called out. So that was a seven-hour improvisation. My goodness, how interesting! Mm. That is amazing, and that's why his films are so kind of. Authentic, I suppose. And yeah, uh, yeah. Amazing. So it it was. And you were nominated for an Oscar, weren't you? Yes, I was. And you, but I know it, you got lots of awards. You got BAFTA, and yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't it open in Venice? It did. Well, it's interesting because we made the film, and then Mike said to me, he "said Look, I'm not saying anything, but do keep yourself free for Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival." Oh, yeah. And I didn't even know when. I thought, oh, oh, right. Oh, yeah, okay. And um, he then phoned me up. You know, a few months later, he said, I, I just I wanted to have to tell you that we've been turned down for Cannes. They don't want the film. And at that moment, I thought, well, I spent the most extraordinary year making that film. It, it won't come out or it'll just get that'll be that. And that's OK. Fine. That's fine. Because I had the best time making it. Anyway, then we we went to Venice and we got best film and, you know, best actor and all that. So then the, then the roller coaster began. Did you go to the Oscars? Yeah. It's madness, isn't it? But I can't imagine what it must feel like to be up for one. It must be terrible. <laughs> well, no, to be honest, Twiggy, I mean, uh, you know, and this is something I didn't talk about at the time. So the Oscars are in February, the mm-hmm. BAFTAs are in January, and my mum died at the end of November. Oh, gosh. How and horrible. so I knew I was probably going to be nominated. She knew about Venice. Uh, and all that so going to the oscars was a very bitter sweet yeah because she, she would and, have loved oh, it oh oh my god so 
the combination of also the film being the best experience and the most exciting thing that will have will ever happen to me on a work plot. Going to the Oscars was just like going to quite a loud party. <laughs> And with lots of people you recognise. <laughs> with lots of people you recognise thinking, oh, I didn't think they'd come. <laughs> I can remember because when you present, they keep you backstage. Oh, gosh. And I can remember going into one of the green rooms, which is the room where they let all, you know, the presenters be. And it's so hysterical. I remember walking in and turning around and there was like Cher doing her hair in the <gasps> mirror and, 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 and asking Shirley MacLaine to move out of the way because she couldn't see properly. And I'm thinking, this is so weird. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it's surreal. Every face is like, oh, my God, there's Clint Eastwood. Oh, my God, there's Dustin. Yeah. Oh, my God. <gasps> yes. It's hysterical. Because you always think, well, you, th- you, you always think, well, no one knows who I am from the hole in the ground, you know, and there are all those faces. Um, but, you know, but we had a, we had a, a good ride. There's Jim and Bessie and me. We had a, you know, it was, it was lovely. Oh, um, Bessie must have loved it. How old she, was she? She was 11. Oh, how, what a dream. That's... I think her, her best moment was sort of, they went down for a swim and they were coming up the lift in their, in their dressing gowns and stuff. And there was Morgan Freeman. He said, <laughs> You know, and he said, hello, little lady. He said, hello. Hello. <laughs> so it was, yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, but also, I was also, what was I, 47 or something like that happened. You know, my head wasn't going to turn. You just en- enjoyed, you just, I loved the moment. And also, I think I am going to go down in history as being the only person going to the Oscars in the limo with sandwiches. <laughs> Why? Why did you have sandwiches? Well, because they say, I'm telling you now, the Oscars last such a long time. You're going to be, you know, so I thought, right, you know, look, she's 11. If she gets hungry, she'll get grumpy. I'll get grumpy. You can't be grumpy at the Oscars. We've got to have some sandwiches. And so we were in the limo because it can take you two hours in the blood. So we're in the limo and weirdly, we got there quite quickly. Well, I was, I was picking things out of my teeth. <laughs> have I got, I was going, have I got any, have I got any lettuce in my teeth? Have I got anything in my teeth? So I had snacks in the bag. I had, because I thought, oh, we are not going to be hungry. This is a long oh, night. So funny. That is brilliant. But she'll remember that all her life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, it was lovely. And um, and you just realise that there you are, what was I, 27 years into my career, having this great time. But also it was the film that was the thing that was so ex- exciting and extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, to be in something like that must be amazing. Yeah. but And then you cut, you go, well, nothing will be as exciting. But then I have to say, I think probably on stage, I think Gypsy was a really extraordinary experience for all of us. Every child's dream, I think, would be to go to the Harry Potter set. What's it like performing in a Harry Potter film? Well, how many have you done? Well, I only did. Well, my first film was the fifth film. Okay. Um, And then I did one more. I just did two. Um, But really, I only did one and a bit because the fifth film was all, you know, is Dolores Umbridge. You know, she appears and it's her sort of her turn, really. Um, But it was so great to be 
in the film that also was David Yates. He, that was his first Harry Potter, and then he directed them all from then on. And David Yates, up until Harry Potter, had only done sort of political dramas on the telly. So he really... You know, we we both went into this very seriously and rather go, oh, she's just a silly old meanie, you know, and yeah. no way, you know, she's a very dangerous uh, person. And um, so we we approached it like a very serious piece of, of work. And, you know, she was into, you know, pure blood and sort of cleansing. And you think, oh, this is terrible. So it was great. And also what I was so impressed by was the producers, everyone involved with it. Every Harry Potter film they wanted to make better than the last. And do you get little kids on the street come up to you and do they recognise you from that? Some, sometimes they do. And then sometimes <laughs> they get a little frightened, obviously. Um, but, uh, yes, it goes on. It just goes on because people keep you know, rediscovering. But I don't mind children being frightened, but when someone's sort of 35 saying, oh, can I, I said, you're a grown-up. <laughs> get over it <laughs> get over it uh but i mean what a what a wonderful thing to have happened you know again in our lifetime in the arts you know a for the books to have been so hugely successful and successfully making boys read because yeah. girls read boys don't yeah, so much right, and, actually, yeah. and it helped boys to read and then to make it into these you know, these glorious films and those yeah. three the protagonists those three kids who grew up they retained their integrity throughout oh. and those producers made sure that those kids got an education but yeah. they worked so hard yeah. so hard I mean they're on you know three hours of school three hours of filming three hours I mean I don't know how they did it so well they're hats young. off <laughs> oh yeah I actually can remember when one of the books was coming out we were for some reason in New York I think Lee was doing um Merchant of Venice on Broadway mm. and we were there, we were out there, and Carly must have been early teens. Mm. And I can remember she wanted permission because she wanted to go and queue up because it was going to be released at midnight. And so you could go and queue up outside the bookshop right. on Broadway. Yeah. And, and I, I let her go with a group of people, obviously. Yeah. And um, it was so, she was so excited. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, and she still talks about it. It was like, really, I mean, it's, a, it's such a phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah, that didn't happen. To yes. any of us. I had noddy, noddy, noddy and big ears. <laughs> noddy, I had noddy and big ears <laughs> and a, bit, a couple of famous fives and that was sort of it. That's um, right. Yeah. So it was. What a great thing for kids know, to, to be excited about a book. Now, I, you're, I know because you told me when we had lunch, you're going to play Her Majesty. Yes. Amazing. You'll yes, be so that, amazing. Well. Are you scared? Of course. <laughs> what do you think? No, no, I'm not at all. No, no. Of course I am. Yeah, because it's a huge responsibility. Uh, but I don't mind that. But I, I just want to make sure, you know, you always go, right, it's not like I'm the first one. You know, I have to keep the standards yeah. up. Yeah. Um, also, is because she's, I mean, not only is she a real person you're playing and she's alive, but she's, you know, the Queen of England. So it's you know it must be. Do you think she watches the Crown? I I I I don't think so. I wouldn't you don't have thought think so. so. Why would she? Although do it's that? very good. Yeah, but it's but it's also <laughs> like watching. That I remember once at um at, at Chelsea Flower Show, um someone 
uh, asked an elderly lady, you know, because that was when Ground Force was on and God said, so they'd say, oh, and do you watch, uh, do you watch the gardening programmes? There was a silence. And she went, I have a garden. <laughs> so why would I watch a programme about a garden when I've got a garden? So I think the queen, why would she watch the crown when she, you know, she is the But I think my, what I'm sort of, more aware of now is that the the part of her life that I'll be playing is much more how she sort of looks now. When Claire Foy did did it, it was that sort of like history. Yeah. And even with um, Olivia Coleman, you know, they're still in the 60s and the, and the different clothes. I am the one that we're sort of more familiar with. So I think, oh, golly, you know, yeah. I think I've got more of a challenge uh, in that respect. But I'm, I'm you know, I Yes, of course, absolutely terrified. And then as soon as I get into the eye of the storm, I'll be fine. When do you start filming? Do you know? Or do they not know because of the virus? Uh, no, no, we were always going to, it's always going to be next year. Anyway. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, next June or July. And did they manage to finish the last lot before the, the, the lockdown? Because it's coming out, isn't it, soon? November. Can't wait. I know, me too. So I uh, love it. Hooked, completely hooked. Yeah, that'll be our our winter nights. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we've got all that to look forward to. And I'm sure it's going to be amazing when you do it next year. But now the, the really important thing I want to ask you about is the real star of your family who's been on stage with you, and I'm probably in film, is Molly. Is Molly still with us? She's sitting at my feet at the moment. She's not. She is. <laughs> she is Molly the dog. Molly, yes. What was she? In? What was it? Gypsy. She was. She in. was in Gypsy in Chichester. Oh. Then she refused to do the London run. Oh, quite right. Absolutely. Too. They much. just wouldn't. They just wouldn't pay. They wouldn't pay. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, and she's been. Yeah, she was in that. But she's also because I've taken her on, on film sets because you know you don't want to be. I don't want to be a mad actress with a dog, you know. So, uh, but this dog is like she, my the finger, my finger just goes, you know, like you know, keep quiet, and she doesn't make a Maybe. sound. What is she's she? Great. She's a Cairn Terrier crossed with something. She's a little mutt, you know. Um, so, and she's she'll be fourteen in November. Oh wow! Yeah, so she's That's but she, amazing, eh? So there, so there she is. She's at my feet because now she's getting older and a bit, bit deaf and a bit blind. So she follows me everywhere in the house. Oh, so, but she's lovely. lovely. She's a great spirit. I mean, she, and small dogs last you quite could a long time. You could dress her up as a corgi next year, and she, <laughs> she could knit, play I'm one I'm of your dogs. Now, I'm knitting the outfit now. I'm doing it now. <laughs> well, you have corgis, do you think? I hope so. <laughs> of course I'll have corgis. <laughs> Actually, last time we w we went to something, at, um, I think it was an invitation to the the shop at Christmas. You get special invitations where you can go around. And we bought, I bought, a, I bought a, cor a corgi each for the, uh, you know, a toy one. Yeah. Uh, Joni and for Solomon, Ace's little boy. <laughs> And they love them. Oh, <laughs> they're so sweet. Yes, little, and it's funny because they've you... got a little kind of royal medal around their neck. Oh God! <laughs> but you don't see many corgis, you know, out walking. I know. I know. It's, why? It's, I don't know. I don't know. Are they? I don't know if they're difficult dogs. To, I don't know. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'll, well, I'll find out. Hopefully, you I'll will find out. find out. I will. Anyway, I it's will. been. An, I could sit here all day and talk to you. 
It's well, been fabulous. Absolutely I know. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. And I'm very glad to say that Carson didn't make an appearance. I know, but why not? Do you think well, he... Carson will do one with me? Oh. As they say in the trade. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you only have to ask. Oh. Yes. So, yeah. I'll write to him. You look <laughs> the trouble you if he... I do one. Mind you, I've been in hysterics with you. I'll probably yeah. spend the whole time just laughing because he yeah, really he'll... makes me laugh. Your husband. He's he's a funny one. He's, he's a, funny, a one. funny one. And he's a lovely one. Marry someone funny. That's what I say. Oh, absolutely. Oh God, and then going to keep having a laugh. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, thank you, darling. It's thank been lovely. You. It's been absolutely, and hopefully we can have a proper meeting soon. And yeah. a, a glass of wine. Okay, that would be very nice. All anyway, right. thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, how lovely to catch up with Imelda. And I love the stories about Molly. I think Molly's the big star in that family. But what a talented family they are. Anyway, I love them lots. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy, or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.